This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. Mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. This is Lisa McDonald, your host of Carpe Diem. Thanks once again for joining me this lovely Friday morning. Uh, for those who are new turning, tuning in for the first time, really glad that you found me and you're joining us. And for those who are returning, uh, really grateful for your loyalty. Thank you so much. So really excited today. I have uh, a guest here by the name of Jennifer Kay. And uh, so I spoke with Jennifer on the phone last night and uh, received all her bio information. Super duper interesting and uh, and something I'm very passionate as well, given my former vocation of having been in social services and having been uh, director of women's shelters, women and children fleeing domestic violence, uh, being a live-in manager with clients for three and a half years with special needs and group homes, foster homes, you name it. So it's really nice to reconnect with somebody uh, who's still currently in the world um, and is doing a lot of wonderful things for uh, a lot of people. And so I'd like to just read a couple things about Jennifer. Uh, again, people who are familiar with me and my show know that I, I don't generally do anything scripted, but for the sake of getting the information accurate, uh, I'm going to read a couple things and then we're going to turn it over and have an unscripted dialogue and we're leaving the lines open for uh, listeners, anybody who wants to chime in, who has a question that they wish to ask of either myself or my guest Jennifer Kay, uh, please feel more than welcome to do so. We'd love to hear from you. So Jennifer Kay, Jennifer Kay is a master level clinical social worker and member of the Ontario College of Social Workers and Social Service Workers, uh, the Ontario Association of Social Workers Canadian uh, Commission for Mental Health and the Harms Reduction Clinic in New York uh, in the United States. Uh, Jennifer Kay holds the designation of registered social worker. Uh, she's completed an honor bachelor of arts at McMaster University. I went there too, so I love McMaster. Mm-hmm. And then attended the University of Toronto where she finalized uh, with academic scholarship, her graduate degree in social work. Uh, Jennifer focused on psychotherapy and quantitative program evaluation. Uh, her therapeutic modality is inspired by her clients, uh, and as well as Dr. Sigmund Freud, Dr. John Balby, Dr. Albert Ellis, uh, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet, Dr. Deepak Chopra, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Dr. Randy Patterson, the Mohawk Tribe of Canada's, and her father, Mr. Robert Kay. Uh, Jennifer Kay utilizes therapeutic modalities rigorously tested in clinical trials to be effective, efficient, compassionate, and healing only. Um, so the list goes on. I could go on and on about your bio, Jennifer, but I think people are probably more important to hear straight from you. And uh, so I would like to welcome you to my show, Carpe Diem. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having um, me, Lisa. Absolutely. Lovely. It's a pleasure. So why don't we start with uh, a little bit about maybe, you know, if if feel free to share what you want to share in terms of what made you choose to embark upon the profession of social services, first of all. (laughs) Um, Well, I didn't want to go to university after high school. I wanted to work. And my sister and my father said, well, give it a try for a Mm -hmm. year. 
So then I went. Well, first I wanted to do fashion design, and then I was discouraged. So by Christine Ferguson, my adoptive mom, she said, go into sociology. And I thought, well, I don't know. I like math. So Mm -hmm. I went into math, and then the professor, I couldn't understand his accent. I couldn't understand what he was saying. He was a nice enough guy and everything. So I thought, well, I can't do math if I can't understand the class. So then I did sociology, and then uh, I did this thing for date rape awareness at McMaster. My friend Ingrid Kane and I, she and I and some other women and other artists, we did this three-day consciousness-raising event and had Lorraine Segato and Susan Cole come, and it was really great. Carl Cuneo, sociology prof, uh, he gave 2,500 of the student body, Gave 2,500. So anyway, so we did that. That was pretty good. And then I graduated, and then I did work at the Rape Crisis Center, and I was uh, unfortunate enough to um, be with some angry people and um, who didn't really want men involved in the cause of equality for people. So I thought, well, I'm not going to sit. I can't participate in that. My father was a great man. Mhm. So, and you need both people, both genders involved, everybody involved for the cause, I think. So, anyway, so then I worked at John Howard and I worked with Bill Fry, who was an amazing man, verily amazing man, and he said, "Go to grad school because if you do that, you'll make more money and you'll be able to have more options." Mhm. So then I said, "Yeah, okay." So then I tried and then I got in and then and then I worked in a mental health front neck youth services in Oshawa with Margaret Craw and Dr. Martin Marsilio. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a little bit of a difference of opinion, shall we say. And uh, so I didn't stay there for too long. And then uh, I thought I should become, I should become a psychiatrist because they make a lot more money than social workers do. So then I tried to get into McMaster, but I was get, and I love McMaster so much, but, uh, mm-hmm. Then I got nervous in the group interview and I talked too much. <laughs> so I was talking too much. So anyways, so then, then I just did social work. So then I did children's aid work in Toronto with some amazing people. Mm-hmm. And, um, then, uh, dated a man who was quite abusive verbally and, uh, my father died and then I fell apart and then, uh, I moved in with my uncle. He was very nice, Earl Hodgson, my mother's mm-hmm. brother. And then, uh, then I worked at Pembroke CAS and they, those folks are, they're just the salt of the earth up there. They're really, really good people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I worked in Belleville, the emergency department of the hospital and I worked at Q Explore with Bob Kitcher. And I worked in the community with people that were dying. And I I really liked working with people that were palliative. That was my favorite work, to be fantastic. honest with you. The, huh? I said that's fantastic. And what I what I find oh, uh, I know I just go on so on. No, no that, that's okay. <laughs> and so what I find and I'm I'm sure you can attest to this is uh I find most people, you know, regardless of how they stumble upon the field, uh generally if you're innately a, the type of person who you know, wishes to rally and support and advocate and empower people. Um, you know, whatever your cause, whatever your plight, whether it be women, whether it be children, whether it be people, uh, you know, from all walks of 
life. Uh, you know, I find that in the stories that I've talked to with those fellow colleagues of mine who are either formerly in the field, still actively in the field, uh, they're usually, you know, there's some kind of burning passion within you that, you know, takes a look at the world, takes a look at, uh, unfortunately, some of the circumstances that have struck people, uh, a lot of which may be out of their control. And you just go, you know what? There's there's a purpose for my being here, and uh, you know I love people. I love seeing people happy. I love seeing people succeed, uh, finding their way, empowering people to find their voice, uh, to see a vision for themselves, and executing it. So, you know I, I'm you know I, I hear what you're saying with in terms of how you came across school and and you know who directed you to kind of get into the the vocation. Um, but do you feel now that you've had all these experiences under your belt and all these phenomenal people who have been in instrumental in your career and mentorship and clients and client gratitude and success stories. Do you feel that, uh, you know, that you found your niche in life? <laughs> I think, uh, probably the niche, my niche is, uh, holding my fiance's hand. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to elaborate uh, on that? Well, I think that when you have love, that's the most important thing. Mhm. Mhm. And it and doesn't always come from blood. I'm sad to say. Absolutely. But uh, that's okay. Mhm. But that's the way to go forward, I think. And so, so I mean, you know, there's um, not to be secular, but I, I'm I, I I go to the Unitarian Church, which is a non-denominational church. In Brooklyn, mm-hmm. no one will tell you what to do, what to believe or anything, and that's all about love. It embraces all the religions of the world. Absolutely. You could be an atheist. You could be an agnostic. You could, our minister's gay. It's mm-hmm. public. She doesn't, it's fine. But, so that's the point, really. And I mm-hmm. think in terms of social work, if you want my professional niche, the most significant thing, and Richard's father said it very eloquently, Yvonne Lamar, as his mother, Mrs. Lamar, um, and his sister, and although I didn't hear talk to his peers, his brother's point of view, but anyways, uh, children are the forefront. Mm-hmm. The most vulnerable in the society are children, babies. Predominantly, if you're disabled, mm-hmm. then, then you're the biggest victim, especially if you're mute. Mm-hmm. Right, whether or not that's physiological or psychological. Mm-hmm. So, what I wanted to introduce today, and I'm I'm be delighted to talk to anybody, um, is uh, like I have a practice, and I'm hiring people, and I need some money to be able. To, anyways, this is the point. Uh, so, um, I you know, there's a sliding scale. The money should never deter anybody from getting help ever, and I will honor that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we will help people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that need to be helped, myself included. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the thing that, that concerns me a lot is these children around the world that murder children. Mm-hmm. And then they're put in prison. Mm-hmm. And they're blamed. And we don't take a look which is, I don't understand that. That's kind of ridiculous to me. I never met a bad child ever, mm-hmm. not once. And I've 
And I've, so have you, so as a professional in the field, have you embarked upon or been invited to have like roundtable discussions on that particular issue or, or, yeah. you know, or currently, you know, what, what might be the opinion or the suggestion or the solution focused approach toward, uh, tackling that issue or? No, half the time people, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't work for people anymore because People get intimidated by me or they don't believe me, which is fine. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, so no, not people, no. But uh, I think well, that the thing, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, for people who aren't familiar with what it is to work in the front lines uh, slash the managerial level within social services, you know, you you. You, you come upon, um, whether it be due to lack of ignorance, uh, lack of funding, uh, whether it be lack of awareness, a lot of those things combined, um, you know, and of course there's always the expectation to do more with less, particularly if you happen mm-hmm. to work in the nonprofit sector. And so, um, you know, generally speaking for myself and my colleagues who encounter those types of situations where, you know, we may have either professionally, personally, or both experienced a level of frustration with, you know, <laughs> with, with, with with all of that, I mean, uh-huh. we, we felt it was our inherent responsibility because we were the practitioners, you know, we were the service providers, we were the ones working with the direct information and working with the testimonials of the clients who felt impacted, whether it be by lack of uh, knowledge or uh, lack of funding or whatever the case may be. You know, we kind of, we, we took that to a different level and, uh, you know, so, you know, we did have... Uh, roundtable discussions and we did invite, wow. you know, forums, um, because it, it, there needs to be a platform, you know, like, because everybody can simply, as you know, and I'm sure you've encountered this, everybody can sit back and, and, and look at the problem, uh, and get frustrated by the problem. But unless you're right. willing to roll up your sleeves, unless Correct. you're, you know, and if you're truly impassioned, especially if you feel that the most vulnerable are being impacted, uh, and, you know, it's becoming too, overwhelming to just sit back and look at and do nothing other than to offer an opinion about it. You know, for those of us in the field, it's like you got to do something about it. You know, yes. whether it's, whether it's, you know, interfacing with government, whether it's doing petitioning, whether it's doing, you know, infomercials, whether it's doing like, you know, introducing new legislation, you know, talking to uh, people at the local provincial, talking to people at the federal level, but it all starts with at least having the initial dialogue. And so, you know, if, if we know that the people who are most vulnerable in our society are relying on people such as ourselves to take affirmative action, um, then, you know, I, I just take that to be that there's a, there's a level of responsibility that needs to be met there. It needs to be addressed. And 100%. so, so, you know, it, whether we're talking about that issue specifically that you raised that you're frustrated by, you know, what have you, what have you done within your career that you're proud of, whether it be yourself or in collaboration with people in the field or, you know, with, with, uh, clients, you know, empowered clients wanting to rally the cause themselves? What, what have you done that you're most proud of to, uh, you know, get things to the forefront, to raise public awareness and, and public consciousness? Um, thank you, Lisa. Excellent points, by the way. Um, well, what I did, there's a couple of things. One, I was very proud when I left the child welfare system because I could never, I have utmost respect for these frontline people. 
uh, and I know they're in the, the papers right now with the mother risk and you can't use these studies that apparently were ironclad and they're not. And uh, like these people in prison accused of murder and the DNA shows that it's incorrect. That system needs perhaps as much support as we can provide. Uh, I could never figure out whether or not we hurt or harmed, I'm sorry to say. And um, so I left. And then, um, and it nearly, you know, you're working so hard. I know every single ghetto in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there's no surprise that poverty creates many problems. Mm -hmm. No surprise. We all know it. It's common sense. So... And so I, I just want to, I just want to. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I just want to clarify, you know, not that I'm all about being publicly or uh, politically correct, but for, you know, you never know who, (laughs) you never know who your listeners are and you don't want to offend. So when you. No, no, no. So when you cite the word ghetto, are you talking about the the pockets within the city of where the disenfranchised, the oppressed, the, you know, all the isms exist and, and, and usually due to an infrastructure of inequities? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you, thank you, nope. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, sometimes I offend people and I never mean to, I just, um, anyways. But, so then what happened is I eventually uh, decided, well, that's it, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm, I don't want to work for people anymore. I need, plus I was really broke, like like I'm going to be on the streets on welfare broke. And um, And so then there was this great program through the government of Canada that said, if you're on EI, we'll teach you how to run a business. And I'm like, whoa, okay, great. So I applied, and then I got in, and then amazing people at Essential Communications really thank them so much. And so then I learned how to do a a company, and then I worked for one particular EAP provider, which, uh, anyways, whatever, and then uh, uh, they were good people and um and now i do private work and uh anyway so you were saying what am i most proud of Uh, what i'm proud is that um i've worked very hard to help people Mm -hmm. and um and i'm very proud that i've um stood up to people who don't believe that i'm a a survivor of incest Mm -hmm. despite their academic accolades Mm-hmm. And so if you don't want to be supportive to me, then that's okay. Uh, that's okay. I have compassion for all mm-hmm. and forgiveness for all. Mm-hmm. But anyways, you got these little kids. So what do I, what are we going to do about this? You got these little kids that are blamed for the deaths of the people, the, the, like the kids that murder kids. And then some people end up blaming the kids. And then they put them in prison. Should the kids be tried as an adult? It's absolutely so disgustingly appalling to me. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of money to even consider the discussion. Okay, We're so not born we- evil. How can we be born evil? And it doesn't make any sense to me. And so what's around these children that causes this? What's happening to their parents? How can we help them? Mm-hmm. What's happening to the community? How can we help them? Why is it that we're putting kids on Ritalin when they need recess to run around? Why is it that we're doing all these things? There's a social worker from Texas that says, forget about pathologizing people like you said, Lisa. Why not flip it around like Stephen Covey does and says, what are we doing right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Let's do more of what we're doing right. Beautiful. Absolutely. I, I so support that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so what are you and your community doing to embark upon having the discussion? Because you're clearly fired up about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, you know, and you're clearly passionate about it and you're not happy with the status quo. Um, no. so, so, whether things have been initiated at this point or not, do you foresee something that you feel compelled to do or, or you and your community, you and your colleagues, you and uh, social services, you know, the well, Ontario is- School of Social Work? I mean, you know, where are you at? Because I'm, I'm kind of removed from social services. I keep in contact with all my contacts and, um, you know, I still – talk to former clients that I've worked with who, you know, continue to tell me what they're doing in their lives. And so it's wonderful from that respect. But for somebody who's actively working in the field, um, what's what's the current chain of events as far as that particular issue that you're, you're fired up about? Well, um, thank you for the question. Um, well, I believe in everything in my being that Canada is the forerunner here. Mm-hmm. We are the only country in the world, if I could be so bold, to say that everybody is free here. Mm-hmm. Free to believe what you want. Free to believe who you are. Mm-hmm. Free in British Columbia, apparently. It, it's in the works. If you need assisted suicide, they'll help you. God mm-hmm. bless them. Right? Mm-hmm. If you need to be transgendered and change your body, OHIP will help you. It's the best country in the world, in my opinion. So if we're going to do something here, we Mm -hmm. are humble people. Mm -hmm. We're kind people. That's our reputation all over the world. Mm -hmm. They take our flags when they travel to pretend to be us, Mm -hmm. but they're not. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It's good to be copied. But we are the forerunners here. Mm -hmm. We can do so much around the world to help these children Mm -hmm. so that they're not victimized anymore and so what's the intervention what you know what's yeah Yeah. you know because you know because i mean let's 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 be frank here i mean everybody can philosophize and and have an opinion but i mean really Setting intentions and turning things into actions, that's where true, legitimate, authentic change derives out of. So, you know, um, I'm not too sure, and we can move on to other subject matters too. I, you know, I, I, I you know, I appreciate you raising those things and yeah. I, I, I appreciate your sentiments that you've expressed. And, um, you know, I'm certainly very patriotic, love my country as well. And there's a lot of positives about our system, uh, for wow. sure. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, you know, at the same time, we can't ignore the fact that, uh, you know, some of these issues are universal. And so mm-hmm. whether we're talking about neighboring countries and just with what's depicted in media, uh, you know, and there's there's people who suffer from mental health uh, everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you look at the reality TV that's going on, when you look at um, a different uh, news, I'll put quotations around that, you know, different <laughs> news outlets and uh you know the the elevation of fear and greed and consumption mm-hmm. which oftentimes the subliminal message that comes from that you know you put that in the same mixture of somebody who is not um uh you know who who's challenged by mental health issues 
you know, so whether these things are primarily happening in different countries, I mean, we, we can't dismiss the fact that these things trickle over into our own country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, where we might have a different way or approach to handling things uh, or a different philosophy as to, you know, lighter sentences or giving people yep. the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, or looking upon treatment as opposed to incarceration as, as a, mm-hmm. you know, choice of method of intervention. You know, regardless, we, you know, we, we want to certainly get out there because, I mean, this is, this is syndicated all over the world. So for people who do live in various countries, please know that people that live within Canada know that we also have issues too. Um, Holy you know, cow, yeah. Like really. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, so, so what do we do to on. our natives? Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. or the people from Quebec with it, with our, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we move on to, uh, you know, you were talking, you know, one of the things that you sent me, which sounds absolutely wonderful. And I know you just kind of generically touched upon it, but it sounds like it's something that's very important to you, uh, and something that you're definitely inspired, uh, to want to proceed and embark upon is, you know, going the route of having an autism wing. So what? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And just uh, to quickly say, we need a sit down. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need a sit down with a big room or something and some people that want to help. So uh, and and money should never get in the way of that. But uh, anyways, but the autism is really exciting stuff. So the wellness center that um, I'm trying to, to to do in Oshawa, Durham region, where I grew up, I grew up with, well, born in Scarborough, raised in Whippy, but, uh, uh, so, uh, the volume for demand is such that I've had to close my practice for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never advertised ever, not because I did it purposely, I just couldn't keep up with the volume, but now the volume is such that, uh, I need to hire people to help me, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, so one of these people, who, uh, like one of our friends is this autistic fellow, brilliant guy, really great, nice person, Adam. Anyways, and another friend of mine who works in the school system with autistic, uh, individuals, very passionate woman, very smart woman. Uh, anyways, and so what we're interested in is the, the, what's happening now with autism. We've seen it in these movies that have been done that the parents are able to bring the kids out of autism. And we know it as evidenced by the fellow we know, Adam, who's fully, he's just incredible, fully functional. And so what's going on that's right, that's Mm -hmm. helping these people get out of being stuck Mm -hmm. in their brain? Mm -hmm. So, like, that's exciting stuff. Wonderful. Right? And how many Adams have you come across? Well... That's a good question. Uh, I I don't know, to be honest with you. I honestly don't know. I, uh, um, Adam's, what's Adam's full name? Oh, Adam White. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I think on the continuum, I won't go too much into it, but on the continuum of intellectual intelligence, like you do an IQ test, right? And so on the upper end of IQ, you've got uh, superior, gifted, genius, and then autism is somewhere in there. I don't really know how it all fits together, except that I think you can get the intensity of the ideas and your focus 
you can get stuck there because it's so fascinating and so interesting and everything else is sort of less interesting perhaps or distracting or something, right? And then pretty easy to just be pushed right over the edge Mm-hmm. And then you get into the field of being pathologized and medicated. Unfortunately, that happens a few times, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's all sort of interconnected, I think, you know? Right. Okay. You know, Jennifer, we're going to head into a break right now. And, sure. um, so, you know, let's think about what we might want to come back discussing any other future endeavors that you're, you're wanting to embark upon, anything that you're excited about, things that you're passionate about, uh, the differences that you see people collectively making. We, you know, we can maybe pick up where we left off, uh, going into the break. How does that sound? Perfect. Okay, and again, we're leaving our, our lines open for our listeners. Anybody who has a question for either myself or for Jennifer or just wants to weigh in, has a testimonial, we'd love to hear from you. Again, it's uh, Carpe Diem. I'm Lisa McDonald. We'll be back shortly. Thank you. When I was young, we're all on superstars. Did you know that you can rate our shows on iTunes? Yep, you can share your thoughts about the topics, the hosts, and the special guests. You can also leave a suggestion. Then, when you're done, rate the show. The hosts love your feedback, and others appreciate it. So next time you download a show, take a second to leave your thoughts and rate it. If you want to stay on top of everything that's happening at Contact Talk Radio, there's no simpler way than following us on Twitter. You'll know what shows are currently playing, who the special guests are, what topics are being discussed. The information is always fresh. You can follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash CTR Network. It's easy. Again, that's twitter.com slash CTR Network. Better living is just a tweet away. We all have amazing talents and knowledge that should be shared with the world. Become a host on Contact Talk Radio and help spread your insight and wisdom. Help others grow as you grow your business and reach a level of connection far greater than you could reach on your own. Take the first step and learn more by visiting contacttalkradio.com or contact Cameron at 425-221-3646. Continue to spread the word about the importance of conscious living. Hey everybody, Lisa McDonald here, Carpe Diem. I want to thank you for returning, or if you're just tuning in now, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us. I'm joined here with my guest, uh, Jennifer Kay. Uh, so Jennifer Kay works in the field of social work. She's uh, licensed, certified, has her own practice, um, provides service to many people uh, with a variety of needs. And um, so, yeah, so... You know, during the break, Jennifer and I were talking about some of the other things that might be upcoming or different things that she's extremely passionate about or where she sees the future of things going if, you know, if we lived in an ideal world and thinking everything's positive, which I really try to premise everything from a, a positive, uh, framework because regardless of all the, the heartache and the misery that gets reported and all the things that inspire and infuse, uh, fear, unfortunately, 
the one choice that I believe that we all have uh, is whether we relinquish our innate faith and hope in uh, seeing the best in people and, you know, knowing that for whatever tr- struggle or challenge that may arise, whether it affects us personally or we see it affecting other people, which I believe we're all one and the same. So, you know, you help your neighbors, you help your brothers, you help your sisters. So, um, you know, so, so Jennifer, you know, tell us a little bit more about, for example, where people can access resources. I don't know if you've got some toll-free numbers, if it's specific to the Oshawa area where you're out of, or, uh, oh, yeah. or you know, your your information, contact information, uh, anything that you think would be helpful for other people so they have resources and know where to tap into. Sure. Um, so the kids help phone. Mm-hmm. Is an excellent service for can- for kids across Canada. Yeah, the number is one eight hundred six six eight six eight six eight. Children can call from anywhere in Canada. Their telephone number will never show up. They can feel free to speak about anything, mm-hmm. and nothing can be done. I could talk to a young person who's who's being incested that night. And I cannot rally police to go and get that child because I don't know where the child calls from. So mm-hmm. it's complete freedom and safety for the children. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent agency. As well as the Children's Aid Society, there are people that work so hard to protect children and they will help and they do amazing work. Mm-hmm. Really amazing work. So there, uh, the Durham Children's Aid, the Toronto Children's Aid, um, they will help too. And certainly sick kids or mm-hmm. the hospital Lakeridge, Dr. Kwame there is an amazing psychiatrist. He will help many, many people. So um, Durham Family Services, Durham Family Catholic Services, Frontenac Youth Services, Kinark Child and Family Services, as well as private clinicians. I'm a private clinician. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email is kpsychotherapy at gmail dot com. My telephone number that I receive texts only now is two eight nine three five six four one four three. And again, what's most important is that uh, when people seek help, you never listen to the person unless it makes sense to you. If it makes sense, then good. But you never listen to anybody's opinion or, or, or ideas unless you think it through yourself and use your noggin. Well, and in some cases too, if we're, you know, with that statement, if, if we're referencing people who are in crisis, obviously they're quite discombobulated. I mean, my, oh, back- then you gotta, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then you gotta go, okay, I need help here. Right. But then even then, even then, you know you need help, right? Right. I I just want to make it clear to the listeners the the difference between in terms of your your statement there, uh, you know, maybe the medical field or the helping field versus the actual person who's reaching out for help. Because as we know, that's a very, that's a very courageous thing in which to do. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. and, and oftentimes we know statistically that when somebody's being hurt or violated uh, or abused or whatever the case may be, just whatever the level of stress uh, or distress that they're in, uh, 
we know statistically it's uh, usually things have occurred uh, on a number of occasions before the person feels inclined to actually reach out. So, um, so it's very important, you know, for anybody and, you know, and I, and I say, and I've said all along, you know, before entering the field, being in the field, exiting the field, um, you know, I believe that we all have an inherent um, moral obligation, uh, you know, regardless of our vocation, the titles that we wear, uh, the relationship we may or may not share with people. If you see somebody who's in distress, if you see something that's happening and unfolding, uh, you know, oftentimes people say, not my backyard, not my business, it's not my child, and, you know, we might discipline differently. You know, if you see something outwardly that is harmful towards a child, uh, you know, you need to report that. You need to speak up. You need to address it. Uh, because oftentimes if people feel comfortable portraying themselves in such a way publicly, uh, you can only imagine what's going on behind closed doors. So, yes. um, so you know, I I just I, I strongly wherever I have an opportunity to say that, you know, when the when the conversation comes up and it's along the lines of this type of messaging and dialogue that we're engaged in, you know. Um, you know, oftentimes we as the adults, we are in a position and it's not a comfortable position to have to be in. But I believe that, you know, there is no such thing as coincidence. So if we're aligned with somebody who's in distress, it's not just about the positive things. You know, we a lot of good people cross our paths and it's meant to enhance our career or it helps us spiritually or whatnot. But, you know, alternatively, if we see somebody who's in distress, uh, if we see somebody who's feeling disempowered or silenced, um, if we know that there's some real struggle going on there, uh, it's amazing the impact somebody stepping up to say, can I help you? And people don't hesitate to do that when somebody witnesses a car accident uh, or, you know, somebody's in the process of having a heart attack and they apply first aid. But for whatever reason, when there's emotional stuff going on, uh, you know, or, or you know, the, somebody's incoherent because they're, they're sobbing or they just, you know, they, they can't decipher or put into words what's happened to them or what their actual needs are, we need to recognize those signs too. So, um, so I would implore everybody, you know, don't turn a blind eye. Don't say it's not my issue. Don't say not in my backyard. It is our backyard. We're in this world together. We're in it together. It takes a village. Um, you know, and, uh, there might unfortunately come a, a, upon a time where it could be one of your own children that's in distress. It may have nothing to do with you as the parent. It could be somebody else, like another kid on the playground. You know, intervene. That's our responsibility. Intervene. Take action. Yes. And I think the the thing too to just kind of pick up where you're talking too, I implore I implore the excellent police officers out there that even though as I am I speak to myself, I speak about myself, I am an emotional person. Mm-hmm. I'm an intelligent person too sometimes, like we all are. And so very easy for me to be discredited. I have had police officers tell me when I have requested their support, I won't tell you who or when, if you want to, of course I would, but it's unnecessary. No, don't. Unnecessary. I've lived all over the world, many places, right? right? So uh, that I should go to the emergency department and speak to a psychiatrist and be institutionalized. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we can be so misunderstood. When we are harmed, we are terrified and cannot speak. Or when we speak, we're, we look like there's something crazy about us and we're not. Or the harm is so, uh, so hard to believe. It seems like we're making it up, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do. 
but when it's made up, who makes up crazy, like, you, like, you have to under, like, if somebody says something really serious happened, even if it's not true, the fact that they're saying something serious happened means something serious happened. I might not be able to tell you the complete truth about it, but please listen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I implore people's ears to be open. And mm-hmm. I have no wiggle room. If somebody reports, if I see witness any harm, mm-hmm. it's reported immediately. Mm-hmm. That's my professional honor and duty. Mm-hmm. And I do it every single time. Hopefully with the persons doing it with me together. Because mm-hmm. I don't shame that person either. They're troubled too. Mm-hmm. But if they but, don't um, want to, then so what? I'll do it myself. I think, uh, I think, you know, I, I definitely don't want to see this show, this particular show today end without talking about the word victim. Because I, I'll tell you quite honestly, as many of my colleagues do, I really struggle with that world, word. Yes, I do too. Uh, you know, I find it very disempowering. And I think when things happen to people, uh, you know, that are out of their control, um, the fact that somebody has, you know, perpetrated something on somebody innocent, you know, as much as that is becomes something that sticks with them and, you know, requires intervention, requires help, perhaps there's ongoing scarring and, you know, there's all kinds of layers of issues that, that, uh, derive from that unfortunately and some people you know they embrace it and through whatever means available to them uh and through meditation self-awareness uh proper counseling you know whatever tools available to them that they're receptive to accessing you know there there are many people among us who have had unfortunate things happen to us and yet you know we take that darkness and we turn it into something bright Mm -hmm. and so you know i think it's very important um that we get, I really would love to see that word eradicated completely out of the dictionary. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like it, it gives people who aren't in the field uh, uh, a bit of a barometer to know what we're talking about when we say victim. Because when you see, when you hear the word victim, it conjures up messages which might on a small scale be the only thing that people are are. Uh, in tune enough to know what the discussion is that we're trying to have. But I think, you know, victimology, whether it be self-victimology, whether it be victimology, per, uh, you know, perpetuated in, in the dialogue, because I think language is so important, no matter what it is you're talking about, um, you know, what we say, uh, and I think it's another label. Um, it is another label. And so, you know, when we're trying to work with people, when we're trying to empower people, or even the work that we continually do on ourselves, uh, it, it all starts with inner dialogue and language. So if you see yourself as a victim, you will unfortunately be a victim. Um, you know, if if you're somebody who unfortunately has had un, uh, awful things having happened to you, but you're mindful of, you know, the fact that that's not going to uh, rob you of the rest of your life and all your gifts and all your blessings and all you're meant to do and the light that truly does continue to shine within you, you know, it might be a little bit dimmed at times, but it's there. So, you know, I, I love, and, you know, it's become a bit of a cliche word as well, but I love warrior. You know, I, I even struggle okay. with the word survivor. I, I do. Like it's mm. because to be born, you're, we're all surviving something on a daily basis, you know, um, but to put, put people who have had catastrophic things happen to them, even in the category of survivorship, I still think that there's a stigma attached to that. I think we're all walking warriors because we, you know, and, and some wear, wear that a little bit 
better than others because of where they're at in their healing process or where they're at in their self-awareness or a combination of different things. But, you know, I'd like to think that we're all on the path of warriorship and, you know, we're embracing our lives. We're embracing uh, the things that we're trying to work past to get to a point where we can live as much as we can to the degree that we can, as much as an, as we can, an intrinsically peaceful life. Because let's face it, there's going to be loudness everywhere. There's going to be chaos everywhere. Uh, there's going to be different camps of people who are professing what the world is all about. And a lot of it comes from a place of fear. Uh, and like I say, anger and consumption and, and uh, things that fuel people to not necessarily bring out the best in people or, or how they treat other people. Um, you know, kind of like look out for yourself type syndrome. And, um, you know, so we have to get to a point, I think, globally, universally, uh, community-wise, in our neighborhoods, on our streets, in our schools, um, you know, it, just statistically, and I don't like to get bogged down by stats, but we all know that everybody falls into a, ga- a category of some stat, whether you're divorced, whether you've, you know, uh, there's been abuse in your home, whether there's mental health issues, whether it's d- depression, uh, whether there's uh, financial oppression, uh, racism. I mean, you name it, people who uh, still encounter, uh, you know, prejudices as, as, a, as a reason or sorry, as a result of being differently able bodied. You know, I don't even like the word disability. I mean, People don't have disabilities. People are just differently abled. We all have different skills. Uh, we all have different talents. And sometimes our life, life circumstances catapult us in a direction of having to, you know, tweak those skills or strengths. But they're, it's still there. You know, the tenacity, you can't take away someone's tenacity or resiliency, which is why I really don't like the word victim. Personally, mm. I'm just throwing that out there. Yep. Um, and so, uh, well yeah. said, Lisa. Well said. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I don't say these things for kudos or accolades. I, I just, I know. you know, I, I get very passionate about things too. And, you know, as much as I'm no longer currently actively a part of social services, you know, my heart belongs to many who are still in the field, both practitioners, colleagues, uh, you know, different people coming through the doors, uh, former people that I've had the privilege and the blessing to have worked with and to be a part of their journey. And, you know, some of the outcomes of the stories aren't always great, unfortunately. Um, but then I like to focus on the fact that uh, some people have taken their life circumstances, you know, do believe in themselves, do love themselves enough through their healing process to know that they deserve to live a life in peace. And that's also in the, how they treat themselves, how they yes. dialogue with themselves. And so yes. when I, when I, you know, occasionally touch base with somebody who I've worked with, uh, tried to mentor with, tried to navigate through the system with resources and whatnot, when I hear what they're doing with their lives and how they're paying it forward and how they're, you know, or they've blossomed into a beautiful parent or, uh, or, you know, they're, they're a big sister now or a big brother or, uh, you know, they're an advocate of whatever or they're, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And that's really what it's all about. We're here to help one another, uh, but helping one another in the same vein that we're not disempowering people in the approach in which we're trying to do that. So, Um, so yeah, I, I want to thank you for your contributions that you, uh, you know, give to your community and, uh, that are likely enriching the lives of other people and, and, uh, whether it being a starting point or middle point, wherever, 
wherever they are in their journey that's uh, brought them to you and, and, and the relationships that you forged and, and the good things that have likely transpired, you know, I, I take, I take full opportunity, whether it's teacher's day, you know, whatever day, mother's day, father's day, you know, so I thank you as somebody who's been in the field. I thank you for what you're doing and, and how you dedicate your life and how you donate your time uh, and the things that you're obviously passionate about because um, there can never be too many people in this category of signing up to help. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. Yeah, well, thank you. So, so what's, uh, we don't have a lot of time left here. So, you know, is there anything new on the horizon aside from the autism wing? Is there, is there, you know, even on a personal level, like, you know, are you, I'm getting married. Yay! Yay! That's awesome. I know! When's the big date? I think maybe in July. Oh, so this is, you think maybe this July? I think so. You're throwing this together in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. I don't know. But yeah. I just wanted to finish up with something that you said. Sure. So the decomposition of language yes. is really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in terms of fear, I th- believe we can live in either fear or faith, not both simultaneously. You choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. Living in peace, absolutely. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolute strong correlation between stress and illness. I've spoken to many medical practitioners, doctors who say this to be true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I love that, uh, this idea of warrior, princess, whatever, right? I love that idea. Well, excellent, perfectly said, Lisa. And uh, quickly, just just a really quick story. Sure. So my mother died when I was about six. Mm -hmm. And we got the phone at 7.30 in the morning. My father's on the phone. And uh, he starts to cry. And I'm on the couch thinking, what's going on? And he said, your mom died. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, you don't really understand that. And he said, okay, well, time for school. Mm. And so we all went to school. I went to school. My sister went to school. My dad went to school. He was a teacher. And so God loved the teacher. I had show and tell that day. I got up and I said, my mom died today. <laughs> Poor teacher, eh? And, uh, but that's what you do on you go, right? Mm-hmm. That's life. And well, I'm not being flip. It no. was very, honestly, very, uh, traumatic experience for me however i get death Mm -hmm. i can help people that have to cope with death Mm -hmm. and well i'll just i'll just say jennifer it's unfortunate that that uh happened but again we're uh, you know we're sometimes talking about older generations who have dealt with things very differently and um you know we've definitely come a long way with what we talk about and certain things that were deemed to be taboo. It's like it's more taboo to be in the closet about things about are related to the elephant in the room. It's like where's the transparency? Let's be transparent. Let's be authentic yeah. here. So I, I mean, to, to speak to that, I mean, the day that John Lennon died, nobody oh. went to school, and that was somebody you know very important in our house and, and important to many people around the world. So you know, to give credence and uh, you know to honor somebody who on that level was not even tangible to me, but to know that his presence, you know, 
it just embodied so much that it was a day of mourning, you know. So I'm yes. sorry for you, and and not to parallel John Lennon with you, but just the issue of death and, and acknowledgement and validation. So I, I'm sorry for that experience, and of course it stayed with you. We wouldn't be talking about it today if it hadn't. But, um, you know, we're we're gonna have to wind up here. So what I would like to ask of you again, Jennifer, just before we go for our listening audience, if you could recite maybe some of those uh, contact numbers where people can reach you, helpline sure. numbers quickly, and then we're gonna have to unfortunately. Skedaddle. So yeah, have some lunch. Uh, sure. I uh, lunch for me is in about four hours. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, you have a important day too, Lisa. Yeah, uh, so well, my number. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, you go right ahead. Tell me. Tell us your contact. So my number is two eight nine three five six four one four three. Mhm. Um. Although I'm not working this weekend, so because it's my birthday, so. Uh, a wonderful day. Wonderful yeah. Birthday. Thanks. Uh, and, um, nine is the CIS of, Dur- of Durham is 905 Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake Ridge Health is on Simcoe Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids' health phone is, um, 1-800-668-1-8-1-800-668-6868. Okay. And if you don't know, you just dial 211, I think it's 211 or 611, and you go, I need some help, this is my issue, and the people that answer the phone, it's free, will say, mm-hmm. okay, well, let me research who to help you. And they will find out who in your community is available that doesn't cost a penny to get Fantastic. some help. Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you, Jennifer, for donating some of your time here, your generous time. It's been lovely talking to you, and uh, uh, I wish you all the best. I wish you great success with your marriage, and um, and hope you pull that off in July. That's fantastic, and uh, and have a wonderful birthday, and I wish you nothing but eternal blessings, my friend. You have a great day, and you take care of yourself, okay? So, Thanks. again, for everybody, it's Lisa McDonald, Carpe Diem, live every Friday here in Dundas, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm an author. Um, I do a lot of different things, books on the go, ebook for purchase. Uh, if you wish to find out more about me, if you have any show ideas, if you'd like to appear as a guest on my show, I can kindly be reached at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. McDonald is M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Wish everybody the best. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. Surround yourself with love. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.